Hello, Fred Kuhn interviews our next guest expert. And now, here's Fred. Hi, everybody. I'd like to welcome our guests in the U.S. and abroad. Our guest today is Stacy Ingle. Stacy is the president of Fierce Conversations. Uh, this is an organization that teaches skills required for effective and real, meaningful conversations. She has implemented training programs at all sorts of organizations, including Capital One, Walmart, Coca-Cola, and Verizon. Because she's so good at what she does, she was promoted at the age of 33 as the president of her company and has been a key driver in achieving double-digit growth at the company, and she helped land the company on the 5,000 list and has received the Best Places to Work in Designs Award. Stacy, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Good. Nice to have you. So we're talking about fierce conversations. So what does that mean, and why are conversation skills so important, and why do they require formal training? Well, fierce conversations, when you heard fierce, what did you think initially? Aggressive. Yeah, that can be the reaction. And and what fierce is about is about coming into the conversations and making them very real and having confidence to do so. So conversation skills are super important. When you were growing up, did you hear the adage, if you don't have anything nice to say? Don't say anything at all. Oh, of course, we were all raised that way. <laughs> we were raised generation. that way. Yeah, every generation. Absolutely. Sure. So, so from the time we're super young, we're told to be nice. We want to be liked, and that often translates to not having the conversations we need to have. So we're fearful, or we don't have the skills, and then we kind of tiptoe around the issues. That needs to shift. So, while talking is natural, having a very skillful conversation isn't necessarily so. So formal conversation training is really required in some ways to develop the right mindset, so how you think about how you go into conversations, and then also a skill set. So what do you talk about and how do you open dialogue in a way that really moves the needle? So we okay. teach specific you've frameworks hooked me. around You've that. hooked me. Yeah. Now, give me an example. Let's Let's use an example. Yeah, so an example would be feedback. So this is oftentimes a difficult conversation because we've been raised to give feedback a myriad of ways, and we we sometimes don't like it. And it's a feedback conversation is one that can often be avoided. So the main goal to make a conversation effective is that it's actually an exchange. So... We do not want a feedback conversation to be a versation without the con, the with. So in order to make it effective, we use a simple model of experience, explore, explain. So I'll give an example. You want to start with experience. So Bailey, I noticed in the meeting that you never called on Greg when his hand was up. So instead of me going straight into what that means to me, I am going to explore and say what was going on. Because the reason that many feedback conversations are unsuccessful is that they're not really conversations. It's someone has made up a story in their head, and then they act like that story is true. So in the example of Bailey, it's important for me to get curious with Bailey, like, what was going on? So if Bailey responds and says, oh, no, I didn't notice that, 
I'll go talk with Greg right away. Then I don't really need to, to go in potentially the direction I was going to go, like making up stories on her bias towards Greg or how she doesn't like Greg. However, if Bailey says, yeah, that was on purpose, and Bailey's a leader, then then it explains concerns, and then the conversation goes from there. Do you really think people are going to be that open and that honest that uh, that they would tell you that? Well, oftentimes in this work, we do an exercise where we have people raise their hands or at times in surveys responding to the question, if something was happening, it's along these lines, I don't remember the exact version of the question, but it's basically, if something was happening, would you want someone to come up to you honestly and tell you? And across the board, like every hand raises, it's like nine out of 10. So we want this. So we want honest feedback. And people do, when they have this skill, they do step into that space. Okay. So what kind of formal training is required? I mean, how is this structured? You've done this with companies. So what is it you tell the Coca-Colas of the world or the Verizons of the world uh, <laughs> that, you're, that you're trying to accomplish? And how much buy-in do you get from the company, and how do they structure this? All great questions. So <laughs> essentially pointless conversations, and when I say pointless, I mean conversations that people aren't really thinking through how they should happen. They're just kind of going through the, the motions. Like we've all been in meetings. We've all been in one-on-one conversations where it just felt we were water skiing instead of getting to the real issue and going deep and scuba diving. So at the end of the day, it's not very hard to show that pointless conversations are costing businesses billions of dollars. They just are. And it can be a myriad of reasons why we work with the organization. So it can be from we will tie certain business results that the company is trying to drive or specific cultural impact. So we want to have a more open, honest culture or leadership development. So it really ranges. Tell me, if we go down to the next level, what what are some of the difficult conversations that you have to train people to handle properly? Absolutely. Well, well, we train in six conversations that people have every single day, but I shared feedback as a difficult conversation because I think people often avoid, avoid that. Just like you said, do you think people will actually be that honest? <laughs> and I'd argue, actually, once you have some training and your leaders are modeling it or your peers are modeling it, it does happen and change. So <laughs> feedback's one that's avoided. The other one that's kind of the the expected one, I guess, is confrontation. So confrontation needs to be reframed. So the first key point is that you're not confronting a person, but you're really confronting an issue with the person. And that's an important reframe. You depersonalize it. Can you give me an example of how one would depersonalize something so that it's not attacking me, it's attacking the sit, or it's dealing with the situation or the, or whatever the the subject is? Can you give me an example of how you would train someone to do that? Yes. Well, let me share with you the model and an example, and then, and then this is essentially what we teach people to do in the training. So confrontation is different than feedback. But it's important because confrontation is really when a pattern is continuing and you have come to the conclusion that a behavior or attitude needs to change. 
So with confrontation, you have to prepare and practice because it has taken time and it is a pattern. You probably have a lot of emotional load (laughs) around whatever it is. So what we advise and what we teach is a 60-second opening statement for this conversation. So the idea is that you want to prepare and you want to be able to, in less than a minute (laughs) or at a minute, be able to explain where this conversation is going and what you want to talk about in a concise way. So we teach this model, and it's about really defining the issue. You select a specific example. You describe emotions around it. You clarify why it's important and what's at stake. You identify your contributions, if there are any, and then you invite your partner to respond. So once you've created the opening statement, you need to practice it. But I'll give you the example of let's pretend Bailey kept ignoring Greg. So we had that feedback conversation, and that was in the moment, and it was giving feedback. And maybe Bailey didn't actually, but let's pretend that Bailey continued to ignore Greg. I would need to confront Bailey instead of giving feedback. So the 60-second opening statement could sound something like, Bailey, I want to talk with you about the effects your behavior with Greg is having on the rest of the team. For example, this meeting X or this meeting Y, we have very specific examples. I feel frustrated and concerned that this behavior has not changed. From my perspective, the stakes are high. Your leadership effectiveness is at stake and your ability to lead the greater team if you continue on this path. I recognize I didn't follow up with you the first time I gave you feedback on this, and I think I should have, but I want to resolve this behavior with Greg and understand your perspective. So what's going on? So you follow it with a question, of course, so they have an opportunity yes. to level the playing field. Exactly. So then you would ex- you'd have the conversation, you'd explore, and then you you need to come to an agreement on what that person is going to do. And then you'd hold the person accountable to that next step. So that can be really difficult because that's can. why preparation is key. <laughs> I've coached a lot of people to have this conversation, whether it's with their wife or husband or a key member. It's very scary, but once you practice it, whether it's through some of some training or whether you're practicing it after the training, it's an amazing thing to witness when you realize that the world did not burn around you and that you're really sharing what you think and feel around something that has potentially very high stakes, and it can enrich the relationship. Does this really work, and how do you know? How does a company know this works? How do they track that? Yeah, so great question. So there's always qualitative because we can talk about that some that I just think being more real and authentic helps us be better people. (laughs) We can talk more about that because all businesses want that. But from a quantitative perspective, there are varying ways. So, for instance, if we're, we're tied to a certain business result, so pretend it's an initiative, we can be tied to revenue generated, and we have been. So this training is, oh, did you, did the teams collaborate and have these conversations at a greater frequency than prior to the training? It can also be money saved. So we have a collaboration conversation, and we've had clients save millions of dollars because before that conversation, two groups of people were never talking with one another in a way that actually had voices be heard. So there's a business result component. There's also a lot of people impact. So whether it's employee engagement, 
turnover, leader retention, sometimes promotion rates. So there are a lot of ways. The learning space and where we live and breathe is becoming more and more quantitative as well as qualitative when we do this kind of work. Well, I'm very sorry to say that our time is coming <laughs> to a close, and I just want to thank you, Stacy. We've been speaking with Stacy Engel, who is the president of Fierce Conversations. You may find her contact information in the guest biography section of our website. So, Stacy, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing this very valuable information on communications. Thank you, Fred. Thanks for joining us. If you wish to speak with Fred or you want a transcript of this interview, send an email to podcast at stuartcoopercoon.com. See you soon.